All right, back for Christmas. Wes, how was your Christmas? Oh, we're back. I I was in a coma. I just woke up. You missed Christmas? This is, I've been asleep in a medically induced coma. Medically induced? Yeah, since the last time we did this show. At least it wasn't alcohol induced. (sighs) I missed out on a lot of parents. Anyways, uh, Talking Points, back after a week-long Christmas break. That's Wesley Moon. I'm Trey Mongrew. We we have said in the past that we do want to kind of you know, talk about other things other than football. This is episode, what are we on? Three. Three. This is episode three. So far, our first two episodes were almost exclusively all, about football. I think they were exclusively football. And then this episode, it's going to be our, our be, LSU football season recap. It's going to be our recap, football baby. season recap. So, for those that want to know about Anthony Davis pulling down 25 rebounds in a loss, you'll have to we wait. will talk about that later. I do have thoughts on that. Uh-oh. I have lots of thoughts, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> Anyways, we're 24 hours removed from LSU knocking off Central Florida. In the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, forty to thirty-two, LSU finishes, I believe, ten and three on the season. First time they've had ten wins in four years. Fourteenth uh, time in program history that they've reached the ten-win plateau. So, Wes, a lot of good feelings for the Tigers right now. Um, you know, it was a bowl game where going into it, there was a lot of questions: how many, you know, how would LSU look on defense because of all the different, you know, storylines. Whether it was Greedy Williams sitting out, Ed Alexander sitting out. Um, Jacob Phillips was out for a half because of the targeting back from the Texas A&M game, which seems like an eternity ago. Wow, it doesn't seem like it's in, it, it's it in was, the same season. It was, I, it was weird. Um, and then there was uh, just an assortment of injuries. Well, even j- just talk about the first half of this game, the penalties, the ejections. the It was a chippy the, contest. The insanity. And, and it, it's funny because really at the start of the week of the actual game week, I didn't feel like there was a lot of tension, but as the week kind of grew, you started hearing LSU well, players vocalizing the well, fact Devin that Well, Devin White hey, straight up saying that uh, – what was it? I think it was like three days before the game. Devin White saying that Central Florida isn't the national champions. Yeah. We played the national well, champions. Here's the They're thing. not them. I think once once LSU kind of – a lot of the players kind of realized, oh, wait a second. This could be a sore subject. They started kind of – Kind of prodding it a little bit. And look, by the time of the game, it was at a fever pitch. These guys, like you said, very chippy in the first half. Like, they almost hated each other. Well, there was some backstory there. Central Florida coming into this game had won 25 straight. There was that whole thing last year under Scott Frost where they went undefeated, beat Auburn in the Sugar Bowl, and they claim a national champion – Chip. I don't think anyone. There's no service out there that actually gave them the championship. There, there, was, just, there was there was one, one random right, poll that that, ascent, that technically validated it. It will go down in the official NCAA record book as and they printed that one they, poll. They printed the t-shirts. They, they did. printed the hats. They put it's everywhere. They put 2017 they national. Rings? They put 2017 national champions in big letters on their press box at their stadium. On their in stadium. Orlando. It's all over the place. It's and part of their identity. It, I, I can see where some people can get tiresome of that and I, I i could like i said i could see that i also can see though where you want to flaunt it yeah because i mean again central florida it's a group of five program it was a team that in 2015 was winless oh, no, no no trey trey it's a power six program my no, friend. no 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 it's no, a no. it's a power no. six conference i refuse to did you see you saw that yes. commercial i refuse did, to did you gag yeah. as well yes, yes. I, that was the universal reaction to this to anyone who you know, it doesn't have an SMU Central Florida shirt. in their in the American Conference Championship game played Memphis. Memphis, decent team. They won their bowl game. Uh, but let's not act like we're we're power five. Tulane second. So well, we're yeah. saying so we're saying Tulane's in a power six conference. No, no. <laughs> second best team in UCF's division was Temple. Who Temple? <laughs> Temple just lost its head coach for the second time in a month. <laughs> Manny Diaz going to Miami. Are they going to name that angry guy at the press conference who was so? 
so passionate oh, about everything. Yeah, he was so happy. He was so happy to be in Shreveport. Look, I've got, never seen I anyone. I think be you that have happy. to give him the job based on principle. I've never seen anyone that happy yeah, to be in sad. Shreveport. In Shreveport, yeah. Sorry, right. Shreveport, but sorry, guys. No, I'm not sorry. Actually. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so the backstory there. Central Florida has made sure everybody knows that they've won 20 coming into this game that they won 25 straight. And it got to the LSU players a little bit because Devin White making that comment. Granted, I mean, for him to make that comment, a media member has to ask him that. He didn't just, you know, grab a mic and say, yeah, you're not the national champions. He was prompted (laughs) still. But, yeah, no, there was some chippiness in that game. uh, Because, so, yeah, going back to what you were saying, um, you know, we talked about missing LSU missing starters going into that game. And then Terrence Alexander gets ejected for targeting. Or, no, he punched the guy. He punched the dude. That was dumb. That was Grant really Delpit, dumb. he got ejected for targeting as well. It was targeting. Uh, oh, yeah. The intent wasn't there. Exactly. It, it's it was, just. It was one of those. In the interpretation of the rule, though, it is targeting. Yeah, the, helmet, a lot of helmet, people, the helmets collided. A lot of people but, were pissed off about it. It was like, oh, the intent. Like, it has nothing to do with intent. Yeah, he, he, was not, he was not going for the head. Now, the Central Florida player that got ejected for targeting, he launched. He launched. He like a missile. That was one thing that like I that I noticed missile. going into that game, even before uh, the targeting penalty happened, or even the crackback block, which wasn't called targeting. Which I'm actually happy that wasn't called targeting because I don't think it was. I don't think it was targeting either. It wasn't. But a lot. I of, think people saw a physical play and they were like, "Oh, you can't do that." Can't yeah, do that it's kind of Anyways, Central know. Florida definitely was trying to hurt Joe Burrow, or not hurt him, but they were trying to rough him up. Sure, that yeah, was definitely sure. a thing. Which uh, it only made him mad and. That was one of the best games. That was no. That was. I mean, the it best. was the best game. It was the best. That game was the best game Joe Burrow of his career. And no, it was. At, at it was. Um, uh, I have a lot of kind of reserves to this game because you know you 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 go and look at the final stat line. You look at really the LSU's total offense compared to UCF's. You know they 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 hold UCF's quarterback to a nine point eight quarterback rating. He goes eleven of thirty for ninety eight yards. DJ Mack was awful. They're they're, they're look their and, offense and, and again to be fair, DJ Mack Central Florida's. Quarterback. This this was, I believe, his second or third, third game. Start, third yeah. start coming in from Mackenzie Milton, who was Mackenzie Milton. If he wasn't five eleven, he would be a pro uh, prospect. Uh, maybe not now because his legs disintegrated essentially, but he would have been a pro prospect. He was good for them, and he was their catalyst for them this season. Um, so definitely, a, both teams coming in this game shorthanded. They're coming to this game shorthanded, and also I, I just I, I have some issues too because okay, so you 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 front UCF ten points off of turnovers essentially because right. they get the field goal off the muff punt, uh, short field mm-hmm. position, and then the pick six. So that's ten points right off the bat, mm-hmm. uh, and they're in this ball game. Yeah, they're, they're down a score well, late um, in this ball game because it was ten to three. I thought it was fourteen to three. Four, yeah, okay, it was 14 Because then we got a yeah, 17 yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Central Florida took a 7 nothing, or LSU took a 3 nothing league. Central Florida went down, scored, and then the pick six happened. So it made it 14 to 3. And I remember thinking on that pick six, well, this could get out of hand for LSU because this this hasn't, you know, take take away the Texas AM game because that, that's not who LSU is. What that what that Texas AM game was, that was just. Well, it was seven overtimes. That, was, that too. <laughs> uh, you know, 70 something So points. LSU falls behind two possessions. I don't care. What the down, what the down and distance is, what the time of the game is, that's a problem for an LSU team that is more of a methodical offense where they're not going to have quick strikes. So I thought LSU was in trouble at that point because to that point, Central Florida in that first drive showed no issue moving on LSU's defense. LSU was having issues in the red zone. In fact, those first two red zone trips, they were outscored seven to three. <laughs> I'm going to go out on them. That's not how you win football games. It's not. Now, how you do win football games, though, is if you hold on to the ball. And LSU held on to the ball. 
for 44 minutes. And it's something that's also kind of easier to do as well whenever you have a UCF team whose entire offensive game plan is tempo. Fair. And whenever your defense, you know, still, 43 still, and out. Still, 44 minutes. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Uh, but, for, I mean, this was a game that basically once LSU did start holding on to the football mm-hmm. a little bit longer there towards the middle of the second half. I mean, I mean the, the – the middle of the second quarter, and, and UCF started going three and out. That defense just kind of was just out there longer and right. longer yeah, and yeah. longer. They wore them uh, down. They wore them down. Probably the most dominant performance by the LSU offensive line this year. Uh, in they, pass they protection, were in, yes. Run blocking still had some issues. They, they had some uh, issues. They only averaged 3.8 yards per carry. Now, Nick Brosette had a good game. He did. Uh, um, Clyde edwards was- fresh off of uh, – Shooting someone, yeah, he, he he's out there on the field. I'm surprised that wasn't really talked about. Well, I, I, I think because the DA threw it out. Yeah, um, and it was self defense. Like every they they cleared all the back channels. Edward Solaire had the gun legally. He had the gun legally. Had a permit to carry it. He so, was uh, he was no, fine. I, so I and I, you know, court. I just I just well, like, no, it's, it, yeah, it's can we dive into that side a little bit because you're never going to play a football well, game. I mean, no, nobody in their right mind was going to ask a college kid about no, that. They, they weren't. But I mean, it's, that, to me, it's interesting. Oh, it's very interesting. Um, I mean, because I mean, I, I don't know if I would have played just because well, no, because they just they start, like so we could go into this a little bit. We, we promise we won't psychoanalyze too much. We won't too much. Um. I mean, just the idea that, you know, regardless of the situation, regardless – and again, we can't stress enough. It was self-defense because was. I noticed some national media, the way they were framed the headlines, it weird. they made it sound like – because they said, you know, Edward Solaire is going to play after a murder in an attempted robbery. It made it sound like Edward Solaire was Killed the one, and, yeah, was the one that attempted the robbery. No, he was the one that was getting robbed and in, out of self-defense pulled out his gun, shot the guy. We need was, to stress that. Was it uh, Divinity Jr. that was playing? Uh, his no, father Carrie, just passed Carrie away. Vincent, it was Carrie, Carrie Vincent. Vincent. So t- to I me, mean, there was a you, lot of you, you had that. You have you have someone that's that's out there. And he played a good game. He played a great game, and he you know he's dealing with that. And then on the offensive side, yeah, you yeah. had Clyde Edwards. I'm just sitting. I'm like, this is an interesting Definitely, kind of dynamic yeah. here because you have two people dealing with kind of the same thing, but yeah. completely different things. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, I'm just I'm wondering what's kind of going through his head. Uh, every, because he he participated in all the Fiesta Bowl festivities. He did the, the kids' day, and he seemed to be in good spirits. Seems fine. I mean, uh, you know, if that's the case, credit to uh, LSU's counseling system because that was the thing that they they immediately had uh, Edward Tiller yep. and the other guy from Catholic High whose name escapes me. The walk on. Yeah, can't um, give his name either. Uh, they both immediately went straight to because they went straight to counseling. Credit to them. Um, it's, that's just a tough situation. It is. Matter. It really is. But anyways, back to on the field. Central Florida came into that game doing what every team against LSU has done this season. Stack the box, force LSU to throw the ball. And because of that, LSU was trying to you know assert its dominance in the trenches because regardless, they had they had an advantage in the trenches. Regardless of how you know mediocre LSU's offensive line has been this year, it was still going to be bigger, stronger, faster than anything UCF put out there. So UCF stacking the box, LSU struggled running the ball earlier. However, you did mention uh, the offensive, you know, how good the offensive line played. That was the best pass protection Joe Burrow's had all season. Oh, most definitely. That was the first time I felt watching an LSU game where Burrow had pockets to step up. It was amazing. It was, it was insane to see because, 
and it, it wasn't even just stepping up in the pockets. It was working the mm-hmm. pocket. It was feeling that pressure coming off the left side. There's something for him to step up into. Times where he's stepping up into the pocket and then down the line of scrimmage, extending and plays. And it led to two it touchdowns. It was awesome. It led to two touchdowns. It was the one to Derek Dillon where he hit him over the middle and Dillon cut it upfield. And then that one to uh, the second touchdown pass to Justin Jefferson Ooh, yes. where he evaded a sack, kind of a, a hand tackle. Should have had three, man. Yeah, no, yeah, Justin Jefferson shockingly dropped one. I, I, it doesn't happen. That's no, not something that happens. Doesn't. But no, Burrow's po- pocket awareness was great, which makes me wonder, you know, is is this the type of quarterback LSU has if he's giving a pocket to work with? Because for much of the season, a lot of the LSU's pocket was non-existent. The offensive line was getting torched. Uh, and even yesterday, Sadiq Charles, look, man, you're the left tackle. Uh you got to play better because, I mean, he, he has been the weak link on LSU's offensive line all season long, and that's not good when your left tackle is the weak link. And we, we can't stress this enough, all season long, these were issues that the team had mm-hmm. when they were playing Louisiana Tech, when they were playing right. Southeastern. Like right. this isn't, oh, that's the, oh, that's it's UCF. So like you, like you can't just say, oh, it's UCF. Like you can't just say that. I mean, Burrow, the way Burrow played, and again, you know, it's – you got to take it with a grain of salt because you have one game versus the rest of the season. But if he's given a pocket like that, that was – and he seemed so sure of himself. It was crazy. And maybe because Central Florida's secondary, you know, wasn't as good because that's some of the most open LSU's receivers it was have been ins- all I mean, year like, long. Like we're, we're talking three, four, five-yard separation right. so, on, on I mean, Justin, Justin Jefferson was getting separation every route he ran. He was. And Jamar Chase had a standout. Well, that's, so, that was his – that that's felt like his coming out party. Well, and, and and it was nice. He's been solid was, in, in, in big right. It was nice to see season. that because Jamar Chase has had he's shown flashes yeah. all season long. He's going to be fun to watch it, next year. Him and Jefferson, and then Terrace Marshall. If he, you know, if the light bulb clicks for him, because you know, again, Terrace Marshall, Jamar Chase, both true freshman receivers. Justin Jefferson's only a sophomore. Yeah. And then you have Derek Dillon and Stephon Sullivan, too, who I believe LSU had four receivers yesterday go over 75 yards receiving. I think so. Uh, Burrow completed uh, a pass to seven different mm-hmm. targets. I mean, it was just in terms of this LSU passing offense. Uh, it was something we haven't seen all year. And and again, like you said, you, it, we, you really didn't even you didn't see this in the A&M game. Nope. They, they kind of offensively struggled. Well, what, up, up until probably what, what would you say? Like well, I mean, maybe if you're the second it, half of that game. Even then, I mean, there's still. I mean, there was a couple of passes, but I mean, Joe Burrow ran the ball what twenty? Yeah, for times. like a hundred something yards. So I mean, he was still scrambling for his life. Uh, so I mean, it. it I, I I just wonder if, if that's the quarterback Joe Burrow is because I mean I mean, say what you want about his talent. I mean, his toughness. I mean, we kind of knew this already, but to take the hit that he did on that pick six. Uh, and then it, it it just seemed to make him a better player in the game. It, it almost it just it, any chip on his shoulder he had was just magnified big time. In all the post game sound uh, on the stage hosting the dumb trophy, uh, just asked over and over again. You know, what were football? you? Something like yeah. that. It looked like my fan, my my like a league, a fantasy football league trophy. Um, you know, he's asked what, what what are you feeling after that? And he's like, well, just you know, just kind of made me angry. I just want to go yeah. up there and just. Just kind of, I, I don't know. I just and from even, that point forward, I just wanted to. He throw said a afterwards touchdown. that he would have gotten off, gotten off the turf faster. Uh, except his, the wind was knocked out of him. So, uh, no, he's. I mean, we we've known this all year long. That and if you talk to him, you'd know he's a gamer. He's kind of aloof, but he's a gamer who. Uh, <laughs> he's I mean, he is. Uh, 
Like, <laughs> like you made the comparison. He kind of looks like he Macaulay looks Culkin. like Macaulay Culkin. Dude, Macaulay Culkin making a uh, he's all over the place. Comeback. This is crazy. You saw he changed his middle name to Macaulay Culkin. So. He, so his name is Macaulay Culkin. His name is Culkin. Macaulay, Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin Culkin. Oh, That's his name. He held a poll on Twitter and he asked his fans, hey, what should I change my middle name to because his, his, his middle name was boring. Well, his brother suggested Kieran because his brother's name is Kieran, but the most popular vote getter was Macaulay Culkin. So he has already legally changed his name Macaulay, to Macaulay, Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin Culkin. 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 2019, 2019 started out with a bang. That's how we do it. <laughs> right there. Um, no, but... So LSU okay yeah. okay okay what so you got? so me and you were both on record before the season really adamant and really our most positive feelings about this year were maybe eight wins said eight or nine wins and nine was I felt like I was no, pushing yeah it. nine was pushing it we we I I think both of us realistically thought under five hundred thought this was. Going to be now. It was. Uh, it, it was, was a, all based on Joe Burrow. A lot of it was based right. on. I remember well, that was our thing. I remember when we talked about this earlier. Burrow was good. Eight or nine wins. We didn't know who we Joe didn't. Burrow was. We didn't. Uh, we because you never saw him practice. Nope. You, you didn't. You never didn't really see. You saw a couple flashes in the Ohio State spring game, but you can't really judge a quarterback on yeah. that. So it was all contingent upon Joe Burrow, and I mean, it was also contingent upon. So you you were coming off uh, a tough season where you lost to Notre Dame in a bowl game. There was just. And Ogeron, I think Ogeron in every press conference he talked to, he had from the second that Notre Dame game ended to this game, he mentioned outside noise. They knew, and I mean, the, the team will tell you that they don't, every, you know, sports team will tell you. Every single one will we tell don't, you, we don't we listen. Don't, we don't listen, we don't read the papers. But the radios are turned all the way up. Well, they had something. They, they, they always they, listen. They're getting these news. They're getting these headlines from somewhere. So they know about it. And, uh, you know, the offseason for LSU, so you, you lost to Notre Dame, had uh, kind of limped into the recruiting trail right after that. There was a lot of questions about LSU. And uh, Ogeron, I think a lot of the national media had him as on the hot seat. Oh, no, that, that was the big storyline going right. into the season was how how long is it Ogeron going to last and you, this year? And you looked at – you know, LSU schedule, you open up on the road, or not on the road, in the neutral site in uh, Dallas against Miami, a Miami team that we all thought at the time was going to be good. Oh my, that's a, I, there's so much to talk about there. Oh, my God. That's yeah, a weird story. Uh, then you, you had games on the road at Auburn, and then you had that, that four-game gauntlet stretch where it was at Florida, Georgia at home, uh, Mississippi State at home, bye, and then Bama at home. Um which LSU went, you know, went two and two in that stretch. Uh, I mean, there was it was just you had all the makings for a possible catastrophe. You did because had LSU lost the that Miami were game, there. you could have that whole tailspin. And yep. to their credit, though, they dominated Miami. Um, again, went two and two at um, in that Florida through Alabama stretch, including a win over a dominant win over Georgia. Oh yes. Um, I mean, it, it was. I, I, even looking back, so they finished the season ten and three with a New Year's Six Bowl win. I still really don't know what to make of this season. <laughs> I still don't. I don't know how. Like in the lexicon of LSU football history, if we're, we're ranking it in tiers, I don't know which tier this season is. Is this a? I mean, it's a season to to build on. You, you got ten wins. You made a New Year's Six Bowl. You beat four. It was a, a school record beating. Four teams that 
were at, inside at, of the top at, ten. Yeah, at the they, point they played were in the, the top field. ten because it was Miami. That's another thing. I didn't even mention that. They won at Auburn. Miami, at Auburn, um, Georgia, Georgia, and, and then UCF. Then UCF. So, I mean, you, that's that's looking back, this is the toughest schedule LSU's played since the 2011 schedule yep. where they beat Oregon, West Virginia, Alabama, beat everybody by a lot. Beat uh, No, that can't, can't be the first time that LSU's won, beat, teams, beat four teams in the well, AP top ten. Well, think about how rare it is but, but, to but, play. But that's what teams. I'm saying. But look, go back to that 2011 season. Oregon was definitely in the top ten. when that Was West Virginia... I don't they think they may was, not have been I don't at the think time, they but were. they ended up winning the Big Twelve that year. They did because the thing about it was they beat Oregon, West Virginia, and who was the other out of conference game they played that year? They beat West Virginia on the. I just know that both Oregon and West Virginia were playing in BCS bowls because yeah. they won their conferences. But no, they beat because they beat Oregon was in the top ten. I know that for sure because it was like five versus four or something like that. West Virginia, I don't know if they were in the top ten at the time. That was that Geno Smith. They had Geno Smith. I don't know if they were in the top ten yet. Alabama was definitely in the top ten when they played them the first time. Arkansas was in the top ten when they played them. Because uh, Arkansas, I believe they were like three. I think it was one versus three in that final game, and Arkansas was up 14 nothing, and LSU just steamrolled them. Yeah. And then in that SEC championship game, I don't know if Georgia was in the top ten or not. So maybe I don't – I need to go back and look at that. But anyways, you know, blabbering the point here, but – this is this is the toughest schedule LSU's played since that 2011 team, and they got through it with 10 wins, which again no one saw that coming. However, and the caveat is this: you're measured against uh, uh, you're measured LSU right now. You're measured with the, the way you're the measured program. Against Alabama. Yeah, you're, okay, thank you for saying it. I was, you're, you're, I was trying you're, to get you're, there. You're, you're measured against Alabama. You're measured against and, Alabama. And on and the other side of it, you so, lost to Texas A&M. Uh, for the first time since since they've been in the SEC, huge, I am terrified. Huge asterisk of that, but Texas A&M uh, under Jimbo Fisher, I think, I, is going to be a force. I am terrified of them. Is going to they be have a the force. number two overall recruiting class. They steamrolled their opponent in their bowl game. They're heading into this offseason with a ton of momentum. We've already talked about on this podcast before how they surpassed Texas as the most profitable college football program in the country. So they've got the money. Mm-hmm. They've got the money. Uh, people are already at least recruits nationwide are already buying in to Jimbo Fisher. Right. Uh, I mean, in and terms he's, he's going to be there for in, a while. And in terms of in terms of first years, Mark Rick happens. In terms of first years, that was I mean, great. That was a great first was a year. Great first year. Uh, uh, I, I'm scared of them. Yeah. No. I mean, they they have talent, and, and and that's the thing. Whenever you look at LSU right now, now that's something else you have to worry about. Yep. And you know, this really the last couple of years, it's all been about. We gotta catch up to Alabama. We gotta catch up well, to Alabama. Was why, that was why Les Miles was fired. Most yes, that that because was he, that he was, was the central he was, reason. He was losing ga- ground on Alabama, and it doesn't. I know no one likes hearing this, but the whole reason this is a thing, and especially like because I mean everybody's trying to catch up to Alabama. Yes. It's not just LSU, obviously, but the whole reason it's kind of magnified at LSU it's because of because Nick Saban was at LSU, and it will always be a thing. So as long as Nick Saban's there, it will always be more than just Alabama's the best team in the country. We got to catch up to them. LSU, it's more of a it's it's a more frantic trying to catch because LSU and it, it didn't help that LSU was at that point, and then Saban came to Alabama, and then you saw Alabama start to rise, LSU start to fall. But so it, when you're looking at it through the prism of that, they didn't gain ground on Alabama. They didn't year. gain ground on Alabama. Literally, all they did was was keep their head kind of right above water. And in in in, in, in that comparison, mm-hmm. because when you look at Alabama right now, Saban's going for number seven. He's going to get number seven. He's going to get number seven. He's favored to get number seven. He's got 
uh, debatably the nation's best quarterback for at least one more year. Yep. Well, for, for one more what year. Are you, what are you going to do? How are you going? Well, I, and so LSU, uh, you know, we so we talk about the recruiting now. A great class. LSU oh, phenomenal. You know, you got headlined by Derek Stingley, who's going, going to be a day one starter, at least given the chance to be a day one starter at defensive back. And then look for 2020, you got, you got Elias John Rick. You got he's, John Henry. Well, I was going to say John Henry, uh, running back. Yep. Sure who that was a big he's, deal. He's he, going he to be flipped from Georgia. From Georgia, he's going to be. I think you're. I think he's going to have the lion's share of the carries next year. Edward Solaire is still going to kind of be that change of pace back. And then look, no. Also on Christmas Day, you had Elias Rick from California. Right. And look, Elias Rick is out there trying to get California guys with him yep. to come to LSU. Well, I, there was a five star. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of his name. Is a five star quarterback. He's the number one. Uh, pro-style quarterback in the 2020 class. He was at the Fiesta Bowl watching mm-hmm. LSU practice. He was a guy that wasn't on right. LSU's radar before, friends with Rick. And, you know, he, he's going to try and bring guys in there. So one thing Orgeron's always been able to do, is one thing has always been his, which his is selling what, point, is he could get guys which in is the building. Which so shocking about how the recruiting class went last year. Oh, yeah. It was it was strange. And that that led to the whole, well, how if Orgeron can't recruit, then why, why do we here? have him? Exactly. Right. So, because really, whenever you're the head coach, especially if you're a head coach that's not really in charge of defense, that's not in charge of offense, you're not calling players on the other side of the ball, right. kind of really like Les Miles was, after a while, if you don't have some kind of niche, you don't have some kind of thing, it's like, what are we... It's, you're, just, you're just kind of a headpiece. You're, right. you're, you're, the, you're, you're, you're the front of the boat, but you're not really doing anything. So, I, I mean, so... Definitely going into this offseason, so you have, you know, in, with the benefit of hindsight of a 10-win season, uh, you know, good recruiting, good solid recruiting class, bowl win. You're, you're, there's going to be no questions about Ogeron being on the hot seat next season, coming this offseason like it was last year. Um, still, though, Texas A&M is going to be a threat. Alabama is obviously who they are. Well, the next uh, year, three of your non-conference opponents are all going to have double-digit wins. That, I'm a, that LSU-Texas game That's going to be, be fun. fun. Georgia Southern, that's a team that won 10 games this year. I, I, yeah. I, I'm just – but even still, in terms of your – like one of your non-conference but, but you also, games. But you also trade off Georgia. You trade Georgia off the schedule and you get Vanderbilt next year. Yes. So that's a good thing. Um, I haven't actually fully looked at the schedule. But I, I, there's going to be optimism this year because – and that, that's kind of – I guess the biggest thing about bowl games, other than you know the winner loss, because unless you're in the college football playoff, doesn't really matter. It gives you a lot of momentum. It does. It, whether whether that's manufactured or not, just be, it, it just gives the fans a good taste in their mouths to hold them over until next August. I mean, I, I think back to you know 20, uh, 2010, LSU playing Texas A M in the Cotton Bowl in Jerry World. Uh, I mean, everybody on LSU basically had an interception that game. That was kind of Tyron Matthews coming out party. <laughs> Therald Simon, you know, it was Patrick Peterson's last game. LSU dominated uh, Ryan Tannehill and Texas A&M in that game. Um, and then that I, that definitely spearheaded the 2011 campaign because we're like four, uh, six, uh, eight, seven months later, LSU's back in Jerry World opening the season against Oregon. Tyron Matthews forces that Fumble touchdown. Salting Oregon. Yeah. Um, it was Oregon that I think Darren Thomas was the quarterback. Well, Michael James was the running back. That's the name I haven't heard and thought of in a while. Um, and that led the catalyst towards, you know, what happened up until the national championship game where LSU put together one of the best seasons in college football history. Um, but then it could also be fool's gold. I think back to 
the Texas Bowl against Texas Tech, LSU and Leonard Fournette ran all over the Red Raiders. Shout out DJ Chark, uh, Sinla boy, um, scored his first touchdown in that game. Um, LSU, I think it was like, what, 56 to 27? Something dumb something like, like that. that. And there was a lot of optimism for Les Miles and company going into that game. Three games into the season, Les Miles is fired. So I don't know how to properly qualify or quantify how important a bowl win is. Uh, for LSU psyche, it was definitely good because it would not have been good to lose to a group of five team, regardless of what you think of UCF and their 25-game win streak. Well, it would we, we talked about this beforehand. We about LSU had really nothing to gain in playing Central Florida because you're expected to beat them, but if you lose, you're not going to hear the end of it. And to be honest, if you didn't have the added things of the, there's seeming to be a little bit of kind of chippiness between both of the teams and all the ejections – I don't think people would be looking at this game the same way because I t- I said this earlier and we kind of we kind of got away from it was you outgained them almost four yards to every one yard right. they had and you only won by eight points. Yeah, the the stats did definitely didn't show the domination and and it, it's one of those things where you know you 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 spotted them ten points mm-hmm. on offense basically. Uh, I, it, well, it, giving up that it t- wasn't as dominant then, on you, the score. And then you handed them a touchdown right before the half, which should have never happened. Ogeron went Hulk on his uh, headset. Well, I, I see. I, did anyone else notice this? Their left tackle completed an, uh, he performed an, an illegal shift. He wasn't set for a whole second. And I'm just sitting there. He does this. He sti- well, I, I, we're on a podcast. <laughs> he stands up. He looks around. He shifts his feet, and before he can get back down, everyone else is set. They run the play. That is the textbook definition of an illegal shift. You can't do that. You have to be set for a second. And I'm just like, well, that's just – I mean the officiating yesterday was just – I'm not even going to say it was bad. I'm just going to say there were flags all over the place the entire game. Really combined penalties. It was one of the games where the refs went into it kind of letting both teams play. And then people got like – And then they realized – it was like, oh, this is getting out of hand. So then they flagged pretty much every other play, which – uh, then in that case, got out of hand as well. But I, I mean, that, that see, like for for all the arguments for UCF, really the biggest difference between last year and this year was they didn't have that elite defense, and they didn't you, have a starting quarterback. You, either. They, they also didn't have their starting quarterback. But I'm just talking about it the yeah. season as a whole. Uh, to me, that was the that was the decider, kind of heading into this football game. And if 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 LSU would have would have struggled. Offensively, which they obviously didn't, I would have had serious questions because to me that was the thing that invalidated them from ever being an actual contender right. this season. You know what my biggest takeaway from the game was? Josh Heupel got old. Hmm. I remember watching Josh Heupel play at Oklahoma when they won the national title in 2000. He looks, yeah. He, he looks, he's got like that middle-aged yeah. look where he's like in his 40s and I was like, ah, oh. that, that hit me. Anyways, <laughs> um, no, so looking ahead – uh, for LSU next season, I mean, so Greedy's gone. Uh, you kind of got a taste of that with this game with Greedy Williams sitting out. You lose Ed Alexander to the draft. As of this recording of the podcast, Devin White hasn't announced if he's going to the draft. Uh, there, I will say there is, there have been discussions where he is considering it, but if I had to put money on it, uh, he's gone. Yeah. And, Here's the thing. You're a projected top ten pick. You're, you'd it's be hard a, to – you can't recreate a, that. Well, okay, look. Uh, get your education. Get your degree. There is value to that. But you go to college so you can make money. 
Yeah. So you could the whole reason a co- like the college degree exists, you know, save me the BS of oh it 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 matures you as a person. Yeah, it does that. But the whole reason college exists is to prepare you for your job, which Devin White's job. Devin White's Devin White is, is, is prepared for his job. He is going to be a millionaire if he's if if he enters the draft. So he's he's gone. I, I, if he I, if anybody that's telling him to stay, they don't have Devin White's best interests at heart. No, no, they 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 don't. And to be perfectly honest, so so he's going to be gone. We we glossed over this a little bit. What, what was your opinion on uh, Greedy Williams tweeting during the game? Because you had a lot of the old guard, and by old guard, I mean people who don't even who, who, who don't even know what Twitter is. You know, upset uh, about it because, like, hey, why are you well, even being semi-critical? I quote, of- I quote tweeted the one of the first ones. I think it was. I think he said something to the uh, like of uh, when you throw it deep on these guys or something like that. And I just remember thinking that's interesting because uh, I, I just it was just something I didn't even consider that I don't know why I didn't consider this, but I just didn't consider that Greedy Williams watching the game and like tweeting. No, yeah, it's yeah. something I just didn't. Well, it was something else too. I think at one point he called out like Iran to like, hey, like we have to play some zone. We can't man these guys up because right. essentially we don't yeah. have anybody. And then so like, but it's I, like you should be out there. I, it's, well, so I remember clicking every tweet and just seeing. Oh my the, gosh, the, the mentions. Line of response. Oh, like, the well, mentions. like, well, then you should be out there. Look. Okay, so if we're going to – and so I, I was trying to figure out how do I feel about this because, again, it was something I didn't consider because um, I, it, it, I could see where it would rub people the wrong way. However, it, you were already rubbed the wrong way because of because him sitting, sitting out yeah. regardless. So if we're going to get mad at him about tweeting during the game, we also need to give him props just to how important of a decision and how tough of a decision this was for him that according to Devin White – Greedy was in tears when he ultimately made the decision because it was so hard for him. But again, protect your money. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like regardless of how you felt about his decision, that we, I feel like we can come to a consensus that this was a bad look. Yeah, it, it didn't look great, but I, I don't have problem. I don't have a problem with that. Maybe not so much saying, well, we should be doing this, this, and this. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't. I mean, if you're tweeting about anything else, I don't. I mean, that, like that's one tweeting, thing. But like, you're tweeting about a game. That in theory you could be playing in. Now again, I one hundred percent understand why you're not playing in it. It just for me, it just looks bad. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Like it looks bad. But I think you know if you kind of just kind of step away from it because that's. I mean, that was like my first thought. I was like, huh, that's that's (laughs) odd. Uh, But then I mean, I think if you just step back, like it's a it's a college kid. It's a twenty one year old dude on Twitter, like. There's 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 other things to be angry about. There most definitely is. So well, uh, uh, but, s- some other things to kind of talk about. You had know, Orgeron at the end of the game. We 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 talked about this passing game. We said, look, this is the way I envisioned uh, the passing game looking here at LSU. Um, again, really in terms of the passing game looking like that, we have one example of it. You're never going to. But the thing is, you're going up against SEC defense. You're not going to get that type of separation no. against the secondary. For me, it was the only thing that I took away. The only thing that I think you could take away from the passing game that can carry over into you know the season, the next season, is what I talked about earlier. Is that the offensive line pass protection, and that that and Burrow, when given a pocket, actually is, has can maneuver in presence. right? Because yeah. it's something we just we haven't had a chance to see from him because he again never had a pocket. So I mean, if and again, other than I think Lloyd Cushenberry, uh, or no, I'm not not Lloyd Cushenberry, Garrett Brumfield. Um, he was at left guard, which that's the problem if that he's gone. 
Everybody's back on yeah. the offensive line next season. So Chance to get better. Yeah, so you know you got maybe a guy like Adrian McGee can slide in, Chase and Hines, somebody like that slides in. So the offensive line, you know, another year to gel, you know, build that chemistry. So if if Burrow is getting now, he's never going to have the time he had like he had against Central Florida. But if he just has a pocket to kind of maneuver around and you know go through his reads and not just okay, first read's not there. Oh God, they're right there. I need to run. Um, I mean, I mean, he he it, he looked he looked like a pro ready quarterback. See, that's the thing that I've heard the most from from everybody. That, from that, really everyone after the game, like, wait a second, like you know, there's LSU quarterbacks on NFL rosters that, like, for example, like a lot of people, me included. I mean, Danny Etling, like, what is he? I mean, the Patriots are paying him money to be on their practice squad. Uh, with what Joe Burrow did yesterday, I think Danny. he opened up a lot of. Kind of eyes in terms of hey, like this is what I'm capable. Well, I mean, of. it was the perfect storm. Uh, it was you know national stage game. Uh, you know, you had the hype of LSU playing an undefeated a team that had the longest winning streak in college football. Um, I believe the only other game going on at the time was uh, Mississippi State and Iowa. Mm-hmm. So I mean, of those two, you're choosing LSU Central Florida. So it was the perfect storm in the sense that you had all the eyes there. And then the perfect storm of going up against an overmatched defensive line to where you can, you know, and going up against an overmatched defensive line and a really just an overmatched defense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say in a secondary that can't keep yeah. up with your wide receiver. So you can do a lot of things. Uh, you mean, I mean, I, the last time an LSU quarterback had that type of performance in a bowl game, Jamar, Flynn, right? I was going to say Jamar. Well, yeah, but I was going to say Jamarcus Russell ended up being the first overall pick because of what he did against Notre Dame. Yeah. I remember watching that Sugar Bowl uh, against Notre Dame. And I remember people losing their minds. I wish Twitter existed at this time. Oh, gosh. When there, it wasn't even anything he did in the game because he played a great game. And by the way, uh, say what you want about Jamarcus Russell as an NFL quarterback. It's the best quarterback LSU's ever had. Yeah, I said it. Um, everybody was losing their collective minds when there was – because it was on Fox at the time. Fox still had the rights to the BCS. And uh, there was like a pregame thing where – Terry Bradshaw put his hand up against Jamarcus Russell's hand, and Terry Bradshaw looked like he had the hand of a four-year-old, <laughs> and everybody lost their mind. And I think also in that in that uh, in that whole pre-game video, Jamarcus Russell was throwing seventy-yard passes off his knee. Oh yeah, just uh, but anyways, what I'm saying is Jamarcus Russell made himself a lot of money. He probably wouldn't have been the first overall pick if not for that game. He still would have been a first-round pick. I don't think he would have been first overall if not for that game. But back to what we we're saying. I mean, Burrow, I think, turned a lot of eyes. I don't think it's going to be enough to where he's going to forego his senior season. No, no, but, no, no. I mean, he, that, that's that's his season now. Going it'll be something. This, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch him and see how he progresses like th- next year. Uh, yeah, I think. as that as the as the offensive talent around him uh, ages at the wide receiver thing, position, I mean, as they get more experience. Justin, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase with you know Terrace Marshall, Derek Dillon, Stephon Sullivan. Uh, I mean, I, I think with. Jefferson and Chase as your your two main guys, uh, I think that could be something really good. Uh, I mean, I won't compare it to Beckham and Landry, but I think it would be your best receiving duo since, since Beckham the, yeah. and Landry. Um, offensive lines back, you know, you're going to have, you know, you lose Nick Brissett, who, you know, I want to give credit to Nick Brissett. Uh, it really is an year, awesome story. Got a thousand yards rushing after. He, he's probably not going to be a guy who. Who, who goes and plays in the NFL, but to be able to say, hey, I, think, I rushed for a thousand I think yards, he'll get, 15 I think touchdowns. He'll, I think he'll get picked up late. He'll, he'll I mean, look, it, I mean, he, no, here's the thing. I, I was talking about this yesterday. I was like, well, you know, 
Daryl Williams got stuck to a team. But I, but I always thought Daryl Williams was criminally underused and he, he shouldn't have left when he left. I don't think he was criminally underused because he was behind Darius Geis and Leonard Fournette. It, it, it was one of those things. Which was also, like, I mean, yeah. so think about that. You know, you, you, Nick Burst said, we talked about Daryl Williams being criminally underused behind Fournette and Geist are not criminally underused, but just wasn't used as much. Brissett was fourth on that depth chart yeah. for much of that time. Because <laughs> um, Brissett and Geis uh, came in at the same time. Brissett will be in someone's mini camp right. in April. Brissett and Geis came into LSU at the same time, both uh, Brissett at Uhai and Baton Rouge, Geis at Catholic High. And there were a lot of people at that time that were like, you know, Brissett could be the better of the two. That obviously yeah. didn't play out. But, you know, I look back to. Uh, you know, Brissett getting the first carry against Troy last year, fumbled the ball on the first play, and was basically, you know, sidelined to the bench for the last season. Odron basically we, called him out in the we, press game, press uh, conference. We don't talk about that game. No, no, we, <laughs> it happened. LSU it did lost, happen. LSU oh lost to Troy. Gosh. But, uh, I mean, even before that, I remember Brissett, it was in, in games largely against whether they were up big at the end or just against, you know, overmatched teams. Brissett had a couple of good games, but, I mean, he never he never had a career yeah. at LSU up until this season. Where yeah. And that was another reason why, when we talked about before the season, LSU's bread and butter for we, the last 20 years has been the question. run game. We, and we're we, like, we, well, we didn't know. So if Geis is gone, who's going to be the guy? Yeah. And Brissett was the guy. I mean, I, I, but you look back at that Miami game in the first game of the season. He had over 100 yards, two touchdowns mm-hmm. in that game. And, I, I mean – Pretty sure he, he had to have led LSU in touchdown score this year. I think so. He, he had to. He, he had what fourteen or fifteen. It was something at like, least something like that. Um, so for him to get a thousand yards, uh, good for him. Um, that it, it, it shows that you know it's never too late. Oh yeah. So that, it, that it was, was awesome. That was good obviously, to see. to see him too, kind of stick it, stick stick yeah. it out until his senior year, and you know right. he got the chance, and made the because I mean good. yeah, a lot of people thought he was going to. Transfer after yeah. uh, last season. Anyways, well, he's gone. You're going to have John Emery uh, coming in. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, I guess Leonard Fournette's still going to be a thing. I don't. He'll still be there. I don't know. Um, it's he just kind of he just kind of shows up every it's now. It's very and strange. And There's then, no rhyme or reason yeah, to his use. Chris Curry's there. That was the guy they were high on before the season. And that he, was a name you heard so much. He played about. He played a couple of games, and I haven't seen him since. Um, anyways, but I feel like offensively you're going to be okay. Defensively, you're returning a lot. Um, you lose Greedy at Alexander Devin White. Uh, Braden Fajoko, if he's still healthy, he's back. Rashard Lawrence, I'm going to assume he's coming back. Your secondary has the potential to be, again, I feel like people Grant, talk about DBU. You, you Grant have Delp is going to be playing for, the, oh, for the, uh, the, uh, the Thorpe next year. He will be. He's going to be playing for the Thorpe. Um, who the, you're going to have Stingley coming in. Yep. The talent's all there. You're going to be fine. Yeah, so, I mean – it's it's not like it's so you know last year coming off it's it's kind of crazy how different these two off seasons are going to be f- so far apart on the spectrum because last year you had a lot of unknowns you didn't know who was going to be filling these roles I mean again even though Joe Burrow came in I mean we got to forget we kind of kind of forget before Burrow came in we had a spring game where it was Miles Brennan Lowell Narcisse. And Justin McMillan, who's going to be LSU starting quarterback, and then Burrow came in. But now, so that that was kind of like the headline of a lot of empty spots for LSU coming off the bowl loss. So you didn't really know what was going to happen this year, though, or this offseason now. Pretty much every your depth charts from the, or at least your starting eleven on both sides pretty much filled out. You have some quality depth. You know who your quarterback is. You have an idea of who your playmakers are going to be. 
going to have an easier schedule. Still going to be hard, but it's an easier schedule than what it was this year. Um, you play Alabama on the road, which apparently LSU can actually score on the road against Alabama. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you got to take anything you can get at this point. Uh, no, optimism's going to be there. You'll have Esminger back. I feel like he, at the very least, la- Do we wanna- again, it, it's there's so much in terms of recency bias. It's like what's the right. what's the thing that happened lately? And so they're going to point to these last two games where you know you had a seven overtime game, but you scored seventy two points, and then you had a game where you scored forty hundred combined today. over hundred combined points, <laughs> and then you two had games. a game where you scored forty points. And so, kind of in that same vein. You, I've seen some people complain about Dave Aranda giving up 74 points and 32 points. Dave Aranda's fine. LSU, Aranda is that, fine. They played uh, – the second half adjustments LSU made on defense against Central Florida. Well, they, they uh, showed you why he's making all that yeah, money. No, he, he's – and I, it, it, should, it should make every LSU fan so happy when Aranda before the bowl game said he hopes to be at LSU for a long time. He said the head coaching is in the cards for him. But he hopes to be at LSU for a long time. He's LSU's had good defensive coordinators. He's, well, look, the, he's the best they've had. You also have to be happy because we've really – I know college is different, but uh, in terms of kind of going through the coaching carousel, kind of going through the cycle, his name is not coming up a lot of places. It's coming up There's in kind some, of mid-major markets. Exactly, and, and I don't think well, that's the cycle right now, really been The cycle effect. right now is – Find your best offensive mind. Yeah, as a head coach, and then that's something. Cliff that's, Kingsbury's that's, getting NFL interviews. He just got fired at in a college coaching position. I and it's weird because I believe again we talked about this. I think on the second episode, like, hey, wh- like, why is he going to USC? Because some of the NFL is going to throw some money. Well, so at him. I thought, okay, so look, I, they've I, already done the feature on you at USC. Right. You can't go. No, you can't. I mean, they, they showed it unless you're Manny like, Diaz. Unless you're well, did they do a feature on Manny Diaz? I don't, I don't remember that. I didn't even realize Manny Diaz's dad was the mayor of Miami when uh yeah I didn't I didn't know any of this about him. Which, He's a Miami man. I mean, you can't fault Manny Diaz. No, no. I, I, let's, let's let's talk about this for a second. Did you so, did you so see the, the so the did story you see Temple they yeah. released really right. to be yeah, honest they, they, took the, they took the high road. Yeah. So the story was Manny Diaz who was uh, Miami's defensive coordinator for the last two years. He had made stops. He was actually a defensive coordinator at Louisiana Tech not that long ago. Was a defensive coordinator. He's made the rounds. Was at yeah. Texas. Was at Mississippi State. Uh, was most recently defensive coordinator at Miami. Um, he actually took the head coaching job, I believe, less than a month ago for Temple. We're talking about like maybe the week after the end of the regular season. Yeah, so about in early December, he took the head coaching job at Temple. Actually signed a really good early – had a good early signing period by Temple standards. I think 17 kids. He signed 17 kids. Uh, but then after the early signing period, Mark Rick kind of shockingly retires from Miami as head coach. And then two days after that, not, not even two days, I don't think of that announcement, Manny Diaz is announced as Miami's next head coach. Well, this, this happens on a Sunday, and Diaz gets a call in the middle of interviewing offensive coordinator candidates. Mm-hmm. Yes, and he's so he, like, hey, this wasn't – so this wasn't something that was like – Thought through it all. Thought through it all. They'd, By they'd any of the parties. To Diaz. Um, <laughs> which I wonder how mad Diaz – or maybe not mad, maybe disappointed Diaz is in Rick. Because I, clearly, had Diaz known this was down the line, he, he wouldn't would, he wouldn't exactly. have taken a temple job. This was a very, a very strange, strange story. temperamental move by Mark. Well, Rick. I mean, you look and, and look obviously in terms of falling off of a cliff yo, from Miami. year to year. But three years there, nine wins, ten wins, seven wins. It's not the end of the world, especially considering before Rick was there, Miami was for the better part of the last 
12 years pretty much irrelevant. No, no, so they, not pretty much. They, they were. They got a taste of relevancy. You know, and you know, when, you know when that irrelevance, irrelevancy started? The second they lost that fight in the tunnel to LSU in the Peach Bowl. <laughs> uh, and then LSU proceeded Every, to curb stomp yep. Miami on the field. And then Miami since then has been awful. But it's just like it's, – it's strange because this entire season uh, – I say entire. They, they had a rough middle part of the season. I mean they, they, they lost to some bad football teams. Their quarterback situation was awful. Uh, midseason there was a whole story about not about Rick not being able to get like his nephew well, to commit they, to well, Miami. It wasn't that they were committing. It was that they were decommitting. Yes. They were committed and they, they left. I mean they, he – for whatever reason this so year, that makes me wonder if he was telling these kids, "Hey, I'm probably retiring after the season." Because I mean, now I, I don't know it, if it I was that, it. or if it was just I how it, bad, bad my, Miami's yeah, offense looked. I mean, you usually don't see that. You don't see that kind of mass exodus just because of uh, performance on the field. Because more times than not, what I've noticed in recruiting, and this is how fickle recruiting is as a whole. And granted, you're talking about 17, 18 year old high school kids that are just trying to get that spotlight and be like, "Yeah, I'm going here." Hashtag blessed. Anyways, <laughs> when a team struggles, I've seen cases where that actually like motivates the commit even more. They're like, well, it's not going to be the case yeah, but here. In a, in a program that has the, the, the press surrounding it like Miami, I have right. a very hard time believing that if that was something that was ever mumbled to anyone, especially a yeah. teenager, that that well, wouldn't, so have, it may have, been, wouldn't it have heard It may have been before. a case of I don't know who was the first one to leave, I, I really but it may have just been you know, one kid left and they're like, oh, well, he's leaving. I guess I'm leaving too. And, and then and, it just kind of – and look, their defense—they had one of the top defense. They had one of the top defenses in the country well, in terms of yards this, per game. I mean, it was—it's just—it it was well, the, strange the, the, to see the, the parallels. Whole, well, that and, and Diaz today announcing that he fired the entire offensive staff at Miami. Which, the entire and, offensive and, and staff. And look, that was the question with Rick because Rick took over the. So, like the whole thing with with Rick was he was calling the plays, and at least from what I could gather, it seemed like people were. Okay with Rick as long as he brought an, an actual offensive right. coordinator in. Mm-hmm. Nah, like yeah, we're gonna well, work I mean, clean so house. So like last year, you, you had the whole thing where you know Malik Rozier was at one point people thought like you know kind of dark horse Heisman well, a little bit, and then the Malik last- Rozier statistically had one of those weird Jordan Jefferson yeah. seasons for Miami. He had like statistically the best season a quarterback's ever had for Miami. Mm-hmm. And you start going through the list of Miami quarterbacks, you're right. like, wait. But then, then, then you realize he wasn't playing great competition. No. They, they, you know, they fell apart towards the end there. And they, but they still had, you know, the hopes coming in. And then LSU dashed that. Uh, Rozier was benched midway through the season for Kosey <laughs> Parrish. Can we follow Parrish. some trends here? Is this just what LSU's like meant to do? Yeah, they're, they're out to just supposed to be their uh, kryptonite. <laughs> What's happening here? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and <laughs> um, Kosey Perry. Uh, he enjoyed the Miami lifestyle. That's all I'll say about that. Oh, uh, oh, oh! Wait a second. Yeah, yeah he, he re- I saw some. Oh, yeah. He really we shouldn't en- talk about. He that. He really enjoyed the Miami lifestyle. Uh, there was two videos. One video in which oh, we are going to talk he, about. No, it. no. I'm just. I'm just going to say we're going to talk about one video where he flashed uh, a bunch of hundred dollar bills. Oh, and then another video where he flashed something else. And that's just a hey, hey. Hey, how you doing? Um, yeah, no. So the whole uh, Mark Rick thing. Um. Came out of nowhere. Manny Diaz, again, like you said, was interviewing offensive coordinator <laughs> or offensive lineman or some line coach. He was, yeah, yeah. Candidates when Miami hit him up, said, "Hey, Rick's retiring. You want to come over here?" Um, I can't fault Diaz. For oh that. no, not at all. Uh, I mean, regardless of, I mean, this is a guy whose grandparents came over to Miami from Cuba. 
Uh, his dad was the mayor of Miami at one point. Um, played. He's. I mean, he's, he's a Miami guy. He's a guy that if he has any semblance of success, he's not going to be. Yeah. He's not leaving. There's no unless unless Nick Saban retires and then yeah. that's the only like just because it's Alabama, uh, he won't leave. But I mean, so, but even throw all that out, it's Miami versus Temple. It's I mean, where this is free market. Capital. It's not a decision. This is free market capitalism. You go to Miami now. I do feel bad for the players that signed for the early signing period, thinking they were going to go play for Manny Diaz. <laughs> uh, I think, I think with the the so this is the second year of the early signing period. I think and get out of it. There's some kind of loophole that if a coaching change happens before the final signing period, which is in February, then they could still get out of it. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I think that's the case. And if it's not the case, I think it should be the it case. It should be because that's awful. Call it the Manny Diaz rule. Call it the Manny Diaz rule. Um, if we're going to stretch a little bit beyond the season recap thing, there's one thing that I really want to talk about that I know you are strongly opinionated on, oh, and I, I would love to hear you kind of expand on it. Uh, you know, basically since the induction of the college football playoff, the entire conversation has been why isn't it not more than four teams? Why isn't it eight? Why isn't it 16? Why isn't it more? And you've made very compelling arguments for – why isn't it two? Why are we? Why did we even expand? Because you you go and you look at these <coughs> these these the, well, the playoff games we've had, and very few of them have have been even remotely competitive good games. Um, I'm actually I'm actually impressed with Oklahoma that they were able to make. It oh yeah, that, game that, with that, exactly. Alabama because it was what seventeen nothing with still five minutes to go in the first quarter. You you pronounced it dead. You you said this is this is dead. This is DOA. This is dead on arrival. And it was, I it, mean, was, it, it was. It was. Uh, I mean, Kyler Murray's really good. He's going to be a really good baseball player. Um, no, but so I, I think we talked about this in episode one or two of the podcast. We both felt like Notre Dame probably didn't belong there, but or well, I'm trying to. What, what did you feel? Like I Notre Dame? but I, well, okay. No, I, uh, the, here's the, what I proposed. I said I said I thought the whole reason about having a committee was to introduce the human element. Was okay, like to look at things beyond record. If they now, look, Notre Dame had to be there. Right. Notre Dame had quality wins on the right. schedule. They beat Michigan. They beat a Stanford team. They beat some good football teams. Yes. They had to be there. Yes. They deserved to be number three. But I think so the, yeah, I think going back, looking back at it, we both felt like Notre Dame had to be there. In terms of talent, though, I don't think we felt like they were no, one of the four no. best teams. No, we, we, I mean, but is, results have to matter because you could say all the live long day that Georgia is one of the top four teams. Don't lose to LSU. And I get it. It's a bad game. But results have to mean something for this. Like you can't just – it can't just be like, oh, it was a bad day. They, they, any other day they'd, they'd beat them. You, no, that result has to mean something. You how long have, how long exactly, have we had the playoff now? Is it, is this it is fifth uh, year? fifth year. Uh, I think I saw uh, some kind of number where the number five teams in the college football playoff era are 1-5. In, in in their in, in their, their bowl games, games. They, they they don't go um, win those bowl well, games. And, and the argument some people will throw is that number four and the for reason for expansion is that the fourth place team has won the national championship twice. One of those years was Ohio State first year. First year it was Ohio State, and the other time was last year with Alabama. Which which the only reason Alabama, even, was, that Alabama was number four, number four was because team. they lost to Auburn in a shock upset. Which they well they should have been the number four team because again they lost to Auburn. The results matter. Yeah, the results matter. So. But to be honest, but uh, look. So even with both of those, so Ohio State beat Washington uh, in in the uh, Rose Bowl. 
Does that mean that Ohio State should have, in no, retrospect, no, Ohio no. State should have been over Notre Dame? No. And it's, that exactly. It, it's, it, that doesn't make any and sense hate, to me. And it, I was, okay. Um, so I was actually low key kind of happy that Georgia lost to Texas. Oh, yeah. Bowl because it, to, uh, to during me, the Notre Dame. shut up a lot of these during, people. Well, during. Oh, the, the Georgia the, the, fans the, the, during the Notre no, Dame. Georgia game. players. Oh, yeah. You're Georgia right. players, you know, tweet. And then, like, I was. I was like, I remember reading those tweets thinking, like, it probably would have been better had y'all tweeted this after you guys played, and it was Yeah, because you drank the Kool-Aid. You ended up with, you ended then, up but with I mean, three losses. And it worked out for Ohio State players because they tweeted the same thing, um, and they ended up beating Washington. But, again, I mean, I don't – so I, I because Ohio State beat Washington, I don't think that means Ohio State beats Clemson because I don't think anything. they beat Clemson. I don't think they beat Clemson. Um and don't lose to Purdue by fifty million points. Seriously, like it's, you, do, you don't lose to Purdue in that game. You're there. It, you know, uh, in in terms of in terms of the conversation for expanding the playoff, making the regular season not matter. Those are some. Those are some. In, like 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 these these results are kind of indicators that kind of support that. Well, because because. Like like you said, losing to Purdue, a team that is this season outside of that win, nothing more than a mediocre Big Ten team. What did they go seven and six, and they lost their bowl game? Mm-hmm. I mean, did they lose their bowl game? They got steamrolled. They got destroyed. Oh yeah, well, by Auburn. Auburn yeah, yeah, right. scored like fifty six yeah, yeah. first oh, half yeah, yeah, points yeah, yeah. or something. It was yeah. dumb. Yeah, and it's like that has to mean something. You, the, well, yeah. the, the whole thing with you know with LSU uh, ha- having good losses and things like that. Regardless, they still lost three games. Yeah, and th- that's a reason why they why they were playing UCF in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. And Ujran uh, actually made a comment about that uh, after the game yesterday. He was saying, you know, conceivably we could have been a. And I get, I get, I mean, woulda, coulda, shoulda's. No, and, and conceivably you could. I mean, both other than the Alabama game, your other two losses were decided by one possession, yeah. and there were games where you were leading in the fourth quarter yeah. at some point. So they could have been eleven and one, and you know what? If they're eleven and one, they actually. Probably have a chance at making the playoff. I think eleven and one. They're in the only playoffs. games losing to Alabama. They're in the playoffs. I don't. I still don't know if the committee would have. Because no, no. Well, well, just just my, because for the reason that we talked about no earlier, loss was beating, Alabama. beating four different teams yeah. that were ranked inside the top right. ten. Well, three because they wouldn't have played UCF. Right. But they, they, they would have been there. And they would have played Alabama. They would have played Alabama. Um, though my only thing is, I'm, why I'm not 100 percent sure they would have been in is because if you don't if you don't put an undefeated Notre Dame. Team in. Well, I think when they're you, in. Then when do you put it in? Well, I, I think in? they're in. I think it's Oklahoma. Oh, you're that right. Wouldn't yeah. have been I forgot about Yeah, you're right. Because Oklahoma. you had a, a weak Big 12 this year. Uh, yeah, you had the, yeah, really the, the, the reason they got in, they kind of rode the momentum of somehow um, well, it, it helped. making up for their well, that, loss. That, it helped that the team they played in the conference championship game was the team they lost to early in the year. Uh, and I, I think that does have merit. Uh, I still don't think it should totally absolve that you lost – to Texas earlier in the season. Again, results matter. But, no, it, going back to your overall point about, you know, what does what do these results mean, um, I don't think it means anything in terms of, you know, did the committee get it right? I actually think the committee did get it right. I think for the most part the committee has always gotten it right. And yeah. here's the thing. I think for the most part before that the BCS pretty much got it right when yeah. it came to the one and two teams. I don't – It's it's always just been a manufactured outcry of this is unfair – um, no, they, they've gotten it, they've gotten it right. Well, and I we've think. talked about this before too, and it, it's not a secret. The reason why this was even created was because of the Bama LSU game. But that was the two teams that should have played in that game played in that game. Right. 
regardless of how fair it was. You wanted Oklahoma like, State that, that That's what I'm saying. Like, no. like the people who were supposed to be there, by and large, since the turn of the century, have been there. Right. They've played but in I, these games. But so I think you look at, uh, I believe, five – yeah, so Georgia lost, I think, teams five, seven, and eight in the, the rankings, in the, the final college football playoff rankings, lost their bowl games uh, this um, this past week. So here we are. There already There's already people trying to manufacture the outcry for an 18 playoff. Why? I, it, it makes no sense. Why? And, 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 and look, I, I, we've had conversations about this before whenever I've defended my love of football. One of the things I love about football as opposed to baseball, basketball, is in, 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 in baseball, in basketball, because – of the sample size, because of all the games, you always kind of adjust back to the mean. The best team in a seven-game series is always 98% of the time going to win that yeah. series. In football, because it's one game, because anything could happen in one game, Right. Well, whenever you start comparing fours to fives, Oklahoma to Ohio State and things like that, I mean, sure, you could say Ohio State should be there, but but it's like you're you're comparing it like the margins well, are so minuscule, well, and that's why. But so so that whole it's not going to fix anything to right. expand. So that whole point because of the margins, and it's because and you kind of alluded to it. One game, they it just means so much, and that's what I like about college football more than I like about the NFL. Because in the NFL, I for the most part, I think you know the cream rises to the top in the playoffs because I've, I I view an NF, one NFL game like a seven-game series because I feel like more times than not, just because baseball, if you just played one game, just throw your best pitcher, he can get hot, and you could beat a team that top-to-bottom talent-wise is better than you. Same thing with basketball. One guy could just be seeing an ocean instead of just a basket, get hot, uh, and it's game over. I think of uh, what was the dude for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Daniel Booby Gibson, that one year where he just got really hot in the playoffs and beat the Pistons and the Cavs went to the finals. Even though that was an NBA, I just made an NBA reference when they played a seven game series. <laughs> but I was thinking of you know March Madness. You know, you, you get your Maryland, Baltimore counties. Just random stuff happens, and and Virginia. people like that right, because there's so much of but it, and it's the, random. The thing I like about college football and the way even whether it's you know you just have the BCS with the two team national championship or even the four team playoff going back to kind of like what we said results matter like if you lose <laughs> that's like there's just so much at stake with every play and it's strange too because you know you'd rather lose at the beginning of the season than lose towards the end of the season like even if you lose when when losses Certain losses right. are better than other losses. Right. You start quantifying that But even stuff. like you, you, you look at college football fans and how hard they take losses. Oh, it's yeah. Because they it's because they realize the they, got, so they much. got such a setback there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what – I mean that's what I like about it. And I feel like you know if you expand it to eight or if you – like some people wanted to do it like with uh, F- FCS, expand it to 16, you're going to lose a lot of – a lot of that pageantry that comes with college. My whole thing is either keep it how it is right now or do FCS. Don't don't because because here's the thing: if you expand it again, you're gonna want, you're gonna eventually get to FCS. I don't, I don't want and I don't want to. Yeah, I look, don't want six. I don't want teams. them to expand at all either. But it's like Florida's good. I've I've, I've enjoyed the playoff. I didn't. I was a strong proponent of not wanting to go to four. I like the four now. It's because it, you you do have that playoff element, but the results. The every game still has so much weight to it, so yeah. I'm I'm cool with that. I feel like if you go to eight, 
If you go to sixteen, you're going to have three and four lost teams. No, not four lost teams. You're going to have three. You're going to. What I'm saying is, sixteen teams. There will be a three lost team in there, and that's just like, well, then what's the point? Well, what I'm saying is, if they take us to eight, we're going to sixteen. So just get rid of the minutia. Get rid of just all the. I don't want to hear the conversations. Go from four to sixteen because I don't want to do this for the next eight years. Kind of, kind of. Because if there is a change, it's not going to be next year. It's probably going to be two years from now. Right. We we would have but, had eight well, or nine years. I don't of the think college football I, I, I don't I don't think there's going to be a change to eight for a while. I think I they're gonna, they're so going to keep they're going to keep it at four. But you know, let's just go chaos factor here and kind of you know circle back to you know how we kind of started this podcast, LSU Central Florida. So the biggest gripe, and that's why a lot of people have been on the Central Florida bandwagons because Central Florida keeps winning games and not getting in the playoffs. Then the screams get louder of, well, if it was larger, they'd be in there, and then we could actually see Central Florida play against somebody. Because, again, if, well, it, if it was eight the last few years, Central Florida would have well, been yeah, But it. here's the thing. You also have conversations, you know, I mean, very publicly you had Dan Mullen calling out the University of Central Florida saying, hey. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. We're, that's we're offering to play you. We're something Central we're Florida, valid. Look, regardless of what that stupid commercial said about a Power Six conference, no, you're a Group of Five conference. You, you were winless three years ago. This, you don't, this doesn't happen overnight. If a if an SEC school, especially a team in your state, is offering you a two for one, meaning that SEC school will actually come to your stadium for once, because not a lot of group of five teams no. are getting that, you take that. You have to. You can't you can't sit here and tell me, oh, this is unfair, nobody wants to play us, because they have made that argument. Again, Central Florida's strength They've made of, every argument. Central Florida's strength of schedule this year was in the seventies. It was all by, it was by comparison, we talk about how bad Notre Dame's schedule was. I believe it was in the thirties or twenties. So Central Florida played nobody, and I, granted, part of that was hurt because they were supposed to play North Carolina, um, and the hurricane took that out. Still, even if they had played North Carolina, it, wouldn't, North have Car- it wouldn't have helped that much. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have helped at all. North Carolina was. I don't even think they made a bowl this year. I, I just I've, um, I've seen a lot of people trying to. But wait. so Central Florida's out here. Well, I was going to say Central Florida's out here saying nobody wants to play us. No, Florida offered you a two for one, which is a good deal for a Group of Five school. You play that and you prove yourself. Because it goes back to what LSU players kind of piggybacking on what they said before the game. After the game, they were saying, "There's." I think they was the question was asked. The bro was asked to Devin White. I don't know if Ogeron made a comment or not. Bro and Devin White both said, "There's no way these guys yeah. aren't physical enough to where they'd have they could play multiple they couldn't games play like this. They couldn't they play couldn't an SEC it. schedule. No. Again, think if Central Florida had to play that schedule of." Playing at Florida, hosting Georgia, hosting Mississippi State, and then playing Alabama. They're lucky to win seven games, six, seven right. games. Well, I mean, I've seen a lot of people equating this, it's, this, the whole UCF argument to it's Boise the, the Boise States of the mid-2000s. But I think that's different because Boise State had a sustained run and it was easier to validate well, Boise State because of they, the BCS they, system. They had there was a, more games. They had being played. a sustained run. Um, I mean, it was kind of like what Central Florida did. They were, was so you had the the Kellen Moore Statue of Liberty play where they beat Oklahoma after the the hook and lateral. Uh, but but here's the thing: what I'm saying they, is they like had, the BCS. Right. The BC, it was a lot but easier like, I mean, the, to get Central, on that Central, platform. Central, what I'm saying, yeah, Central Florida's run kind of mirrored. Uh, Boise State in those mid two thousands where they went undefeated one year had one bowl win went undefeated again and then I believe they had Oregon go to, I think it was two thousand seven yeah they had Oregon go to Boise State Boise State beat Oregon that's where the Garrett Blunt knocked that dude out oh yeah <laughs> remember that yeah. that was fun uh, so that that definitely had I mean so you had you had a regular season game over BCS yeah uh, BCS win so in that instance. 
Central Florida hasn't had that other than the win over Auburn. But there are a lot of parallels. Well, um, I mean, but, but, but here's again, the thing. Like now, the same it, argument for Boise State, for Central Florida now, was for Boise State then. If you put them in a Power 5 conference schedule, uh, specifically an SEC schedule, because we're saying let's put them in against the toughest gauntlet, um, I don't think Boise State's going undefeated every year. No, they're not. They're not. <laughs> but, but I mean, I don't think anyone's asking them to play that schedule. It's literally like just go out of your way and try some play and try and play some, well, not, not some play, other echelon not, not, not necessarily play that schedule. But when you look at Boise State at the time playing a Mountain West schedule, UCF playing an American schedule, going undefeated, how does that weigh against an SEC team oh, yeah, that you, had you, one you, loss you or two losses? I, th- I still think an SEC team with two losses, like let's say LSU, you put LSU schedule. Let's say for the, for the sake of the argument – LSU beats one of Texas A&M or Florida. So they go in with two losses. I think LSU's ranked ahead of Central Florida. Yeah, they are. They're ranked seven at least. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, just play somebody. Um, I, I'm, I'm sick of trying to everybody say the system's broken because there's always – again, this goes back to the argument that for me this, is, this has been the case when I defended the BCS. It's the case when I defend the 14 playoff now. No matter how big you make the playoff the format – Someone is always yeah. going to feel left out. You can't, you can't, you know, lend credence to that every single time because it's just it's not worth it. Again, March Madness every year, the first storyline once the brackets release, who got left out? Yep. everybody. That's so a sixty-eight team field. Someone got left out. You have a sixteen team field. Seventeen and eighteen are going to complain. They're going to be mad. They're going to be frustrated. And, so, and when it comes to UCF, and when it comes to this argument. Uh, I've heard both sides of it. I've heard that their performance uh, against LSU was validation towards what they are. I've also heard that oh well, they didn't need to validate themselves because of no, they what did. they did because of what they did against Auburn. And and I, I sit there and I, I hear both sides of that, and I'm like, okay, sure. In terms of me, we I talked we talked about it earlier in this podcast LSU outgaining. UCF uh, offensively three and a half yards every one yard, some almost six hundred yards of offense to about adjusted for sack yardage, about two hundred yards of offense, uh, and, and them only losing by a score. That's to me that was more of a detriment to LSU spotting them ten points than it was to anything really UCF did. Right. Uh, but but play someone like yeah. it is lit, like right now. Right now it's in your control. You control. Two, three years from now, what people are going to be saying about you, you, you're in the moment right now. You have a choice. Make the right choice. I'm actually curious who Central Florida has on their schedule next year, so let me look that up real quick. Look it up, just because I, I'm just I'm, – I'm, I'm, I'm sick of <laughs> – Okay, so they start off with the, uh, the mighty Rattlers of Florida A&M. Of course. Uh, you have to. Go to Florida Atlantic. And then they are hosting Stanford. Okay. Okay. Uh, they got Stanford to come there. Yeah. They're at Pitt. So they go to Pitt, which uh, – so, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's they, two they, Power 5 schools right there. Pitt played in their conference championship game this yep. year, right? And then, uh, yeah. Um, then you have your, you know, at Cincinnati, at Temple, at Tulane, yeah. at – God, they have four. Oh, the, these, the dates haven't been – so they're just listing the games they play. Play and then I mean so they're they're out of conference schedule is Florida and M at Florida Atlantic but then you got Stanford and Pitt so the, if they beat Stanford then that then created some still though I mean you're not 
I will say this. You shouldn't be playing any FCS schools if you're trying to be taken seriously as a group of five school, and they're doing that by playing Florida A&M. Now, I, I get that these games are scheduled. And, yeah, and, advanced, you know, but there's other schools. I can tell you right FCS now, if they, wanted to get out, if they wanted to get out of that Florida A&M game, they can. Yeah. Central Florida is the biggest college in America in terms of enrollment. Yeah. They have the money to where they can pay a MEAC school to, uh, hey, go find someone else to play. Let's yeah, play, go play somebody else. It was fun. Best school. So. You were on the schedule. So with that, uh, we wrap up another football-focused wow. edition of Talking Points. Um, we didn't even get to like any of the cool NFL coaching carousel stuff. We can do that. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do, do that it. next we'll one because I mean, we're I feel like it's as long as we'll have some we'll have some actual well, hires by then, hopefully. Right, that and plus we'll be well, talking. Okay, we we got it. NFL playoffs and dude, I, mean, I am so excited yeah. for this. No, 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 don't you meh me, okay? Because in, in the past couple years, Wild Card Weekend has been dull. This NFL postseason, I don't have confidence in anyone. I don't even think that the Saints are a sure bet. I think they're not a sure bet, but I think. Yeah, but yeah, look, look, you would be – if you're a Saints fan, you're terrified of oh, yeah. Seattle rolling in there. Oh, yeah. You're scared to death. Okay, but let me let me just ask you this. They're the most sure bet of the field. If you had to pick one – Saints or the field, to, I'm picking the Saints. You had to, well, not even – In the NFC. I don't, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I would have done that Saints or the field. I don't know if I – yeah, I guess I'd pick the Saints. But I was saying if you had to pick one team in the entire postseason bracket to say I have the most confidence in them making the Super Bowl, it's the Saints. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but like, but if you give me the Saints, <laughs> but everyone like it, it would not surprise me. Yeah, if uh, divisional I'm, I'm weekend, the Saints bummed. are stuck. I'm a little bummed, uh, and I know the whole CBS has the AFC, Fox has the NFC, and then NBC and uh, ABC and ESPN are thrown in there. I wish that CBS was calling the the Cowboys Seahawks game because that would have meant Romo was calling that game. And when he, he botched that yeah, snap last, twelve years ago, almost yeah. twelve years ago to the date. Interesting. Um, so I'm so excited for this weekend. You got some great matchups: Chargers, Ravens, Eagles, Bears, I, I, Colts, Texans. For Colts, third, Texans. For that's third time. That's going to be fun. The past couple of years, the Wild Card weekend has been kind of dull in terms of ah, you got to figure out what's going to happen. If the Titans were there, you know they were going to beat whoever they played. I, I, I'm so happy the Titans aren't in the postseason. I just want to say that we can. I'll, I'll be thank, quiet now. Thank, thank Blaine Gabbert for that. Yeah, sorry. or I guess thank Marcus Mariota for practicing and then not playing. Uh, that was odd. Don't pay Marcus Mariota. No, oh, of course you, not. You can't pay him. Of course not, no. All right, I'll get out of here now. Anyways. Say. All right, so another football-focused edition of Talking Points, and it'll probably be f- football-focused as long as the Saints are in the playoffs and then the Super Bowl and all that. Uh, we'll toss some Pelicans in there. Hopefully if the Saints make the Super Bowl, we could give you a podcast from Atlanta. From Atlanta. That'd be cool. We'll see what we'll happens, We'll see if people. that happens. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, God, we talked a lot. We did. We did a lot of talking. Didn't see that one coming. Anyways, that's Wesley Boone. That's Trey Mongery. We, as always, we thank you for listening to us. Uh, um, for those listening on, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, however you, you know, listen to your podcast, if you like what you hear, leave a nice review. Give us a rating. Yeah. You know, tell your friends about this. We're trying to let's 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 expand our horizons. Yeah, let's expand the horizons. We we've heard some. I, I really I've only heard positive. Word of mouth. If you got something negative to say, uh, let us know. We'd, we'd, we'd like yeah, to improve upon that stuff. So you can follow him at Westboon16. I'm at Trey Mongrew. And then, of course, as always, at KLB Sports. For if you, if you don't get enough of us on this podcast, you can see us <laughs> on TV, on the web, whatever. Anyways, we'll see you next time. Catch you on the flip.